Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. On this podcast, we help you structure your business processes to make your people your organization's greatest competitive advantage. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcatcher of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, which will give you exclusive subscriber-only content. Here is your host, Rami Alajil, author and CEO of People Processes. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so excited to have you today. We are going to be interviewing Kathy Bowman-Atkins. She is a CEO of the Latitude Group, or latitudegroup.com. She helps other CEOs and business leaders set the course for their business. Business leaders hire her and her team when they're ready for true change. She doesn't provide cookie-cutter, feel-good, run-of-the-mill strategic advice. She warns her clients up front, be ready to do some hard work and soul-searching. She has perfected the process for change, and she does something most consultants don't, follow up and follow through. We're excited to learn a little bit about those processes today. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rami. It's great to be here. Well, I'm I'm excited to have you. So, Kathy, before we dive into kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis for your clients and what that process looks like, I wanted to start with, you know, how you got into this. Not many young ladies uh, and gentlemen, Kathy's out there in the world, dress up at Halloween as uh, business consultants. <laughs> it's not a, it's not the common costume over there at the Halloween store. So how did you wind up in this business? Uh, what's your journey to get here look like? That's a great question. That's a great way to frame it too. Um, well, actually, you know, I'm like many other consultants, probably in terms of how I got here, Uh, I started uh, my career in corporate America, and I spent uh, 20 years or so in corporate America, uh, ended up as an executive with a a very large uh, Fortune 100 company, uh, doing mergers and acquisitions and leading almost all kinds of uh, a business that you can think of. Ended up leaving there because of uh, elder care issues, and uh, I was traveling, you know, 80% of the time all over the world. And I had uh, uh, parents at home with very severe illnesses. So took a break for about 10 months. I uh, had a colleague who had some similar issues who did that as well. And we were trying to help each other figure out what we do next. And we're very analytical. We come out of that world. And, um, yeah, we did all kind of analysis, et cetera, Rami. And then... One day we just looked at each other and said, well, what made us successful in corporate America? What do we do well? Mm -hmm. And what we did well there was set a vision, inspire people to it. We could recognize the potential in people that they didn't even see in themselves and help them to realize it. So that's what led us to, to start this business. We had extensive experience with strategic planning, being strategic, helping businesses to, to map out a plan and be successful in executing it and developing the people. Okay, to be successful personally and professionally to help them. So that's how we started the business. We said that's what we do, that's what we do well, and that's what we get jazzed about. And you know, as they say, the rest is history. How long ago was that that you opened uh, Latitude Group? Eighteen years ago, be eighteen years Ooh. ago, July thirty first. <gasps> Coming right up. In fact, it may be right when this podcast airs. Well, congratulations, eighteen years. Uh, that's a 
uh, heck of a time. I mean, a lot has changed in 18 years. A lot. Uh, you are so right. Well, let me ask you, Kathy, I, uh, the name of the podcast, People Processes. So mm-hmm. let's break some of this down. Let's imagine that um, our listeners are out there. They're, they're small business owners, or maybe they're recently promoted strategic uh, leaders in larger organizations. And maybe they're in a position where COVID has thrown the rule book, the plan. You know, you had a strategic plan in January. You had a budget. Uh, that means nothing now right? So if they were to approach you and say, friend to friend, Kathy, I just need to get my head on straight. I don't know. I know that we're fine. We're going to make it, but like where, I don't know where we want to be in five years. I don't know how this affects us. I'm, I'm a little just lost on vision. I just want everything to be okay. (laughs) Right. Where would you start in kind of a process minded way to figure out how to pull that vision out of them. Sure. Well, a couple of things that we, we're, we're doing exactly uh, what you just said. We, we took a look at that. And we are a very uh, thorough, intense, long-term kind of strategic planning, sophisticated process type of company, uh, just to lay it out there. But what we have done and what I would advise that person who comes to ask me, which I'm advising everybody right now, we put into place, I, I don't worry about the five-year vision right now. Because we don't know enough to do that. None of us do. I don't care how long we've been in business or how smart we are. We don't. Uh, Let's talk about the next six months. Now, that may seem really short-sighted, but if you've got a good plan to get through the next six months, and so we've put together a process to do that. We've actually put together a, a process that's three parts, Rami. It depends on where people are. Now, you just you, you, you uh, qualified that by that person saying, I know we're going to be okay. If that's the case, <laughs> if people feel like that, hey, we're going to survive this, some people just need to know how to survive the next six months. That's so true. we've actually put together a six-month process and plan. Everything we do is about process. So I, I get the process part. We are very, very process-oriented. We have great processes and tools. So we've put together a process that says, if you don't know how you're going to survive the next six months, here's what we're going to do. And it's really a financial and opportunity exercise. There's not much strategic about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're looking at the projections. What do you think is the worst possible case in terms of revenue business, but what are some opportunities that might've been created? I'm really simplifying this Rami, but Mm -hmm. That's the look we're taking. Uh, they do some prep work. We get it done in a day. They've got a six-month plan, and, and we help them to execute that. Okay, so we help them with the accountability, the change management. But it's a six-month plan so that says you're going to make it to the other side, and you're going to be standing, all right? And this is how we get there. And we're going to look at those, you know, you need to be looking at those financials and all of those triggers weekly. We're going to set one or two metrics that you're going to absolutely manage to. And if those metrics get out of kilter, we make changes. That's the way it is. So if they say, well, we're okay, but we, you know, we still don't know, you know, what the future holds, then we're going to do a six month look that says, okay, it's a little more strategic. We're going to look at some more of the processes, some of your markets, your product and service offerings, and what do we need to be doing over the next six months? Okay. And we'll put that plan together with them. It's a little more intense, takes about a day and a half. Okay. A little prep work and we help you execute it for six months. Once people get through that, then we're going to look at, okay, let's start talking about now what we think the future holds. 
and let's start putting that in place and we're going to do another six month plan so we're looking at getting people through the end of 2021 and then we can start doing some big strategic things but you know that that third piece of that is to look and see all right we're beginning to see the future take some shape or we're just going to put some stakes on the ground and say this is where we think it's going to be and we're going to start planning around that so i know that was a lot but but that's that's the way we're looking at the world right now. And that's what we're finding that most business owners and business leaders need. Hmm. Getting through the next six months. Now, I've always been a proponent, or at least I, I, my mentors have, of setting a long-term goal and working your way backwards. Uh, the more tactical day-to-day -day work of, of surviving in a, in a situation like this um, is important, of course, but... Uh, if you don't know what you're aiming for five years, 10 years down the road, do you have a, is it, is it advisable to be thinking, to be putting as much time into just the next six months? Or uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a little bit of a reversal of what I would say most strategic consultants would say. Well, it's definitely a reversal of what we uh, typically do and what our model is. We generally start out with, let's take a look at five years out where you want this business to be. Okay. What's the vision? What right are the, now, things are different. That's right. What are your strategic objectives? In other words, what are the three or four big things that need to get accomplished over the next five years to get this company where it needs to be? And then we back up and do a detailed plan for the next year, Rami. And it's, mm. it's, it, it's very, very comprehensive. Uh, we well, just are, are finding that people really have no clue about what that looks like yet so but they need a plan to be executing on to get them to the next steps and so that's why we're doing it this way but absolutely and and we do uh absolutely want to say okay but you know still what, what do you want this business to get out of this business you know what's your what's your vision you know down the road are you looking to retire a certain way are you looking to sell this business are you looking to hand it off to the next generation you're looking to send kids to college there are all kinds of reasons that mm -hmm. that people are in business right and and we want to know that and we certainly don't want to do anything that jeopardizes that but it is much much more of a shorter term look mm -hmm. well i'm gonna push then away from the immediate COVID for now. And the reason is, for one reason, I've had about six interviews in a row that are all about COVID, 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 COVID. Sure. And I've gotten feedback from listeners that, you know, while 40% of uh, businesses out there have experienced some level of revenue loss, uh, some catastrophically so, 25% of businesses are up in revenue, believe it or not, during these last uh, yes. COVID months. And for those who are... Um, in that crisis management mode, I, I think they know it. They know what's going on. But I want to go instead, and I want to talk about, since we have an expert like you on, I want to take advantage of, rather than the crisis side of things, the ability, uh, the your knowledge on really developing strategic plans. Uh, that's what you've been doing for 40 years, and that's what I want to uh, pull in on, because I, while while surviving is important, those companies out there that are that are looking to make even to, to grow even during this are the people I, I, I want to be able to help right now. I don't think there are many resources for them. Uh, there was a, I had a marketing consultant on, uh, you know, a few months ago, uh, right before the crisis hit. And she had kind of all these ideas. We brought her back on, spoke with her a bit. And she's like, well, 
marketing right now is about making people understand you care about them and uh, no one's going to buy anything, but we'll come back. You know, hopefully this will, it's something to do until, until the market reopens. And while that's not maybe wrong for every, for, for uh, some companies, it's not uh, what a lot of my listeners wanted to hear. They want to push forward because they are, they're still hungry. Right. Uh So, so let me take you back. Let's say that, um, You've got a client in that says, look, we're in, um, uh, we're not a restaurant. We're a uh, law firm that does criminal defense work. Turns out people are still going to jail. We want to grow uh, or we, 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 we've got partners of, of uh, different ages. We've got a decently established business and we're trying to get a plan for where we want to be in five years. So let's start with the vision there and then talk a little bit about how you work that backwards into a, uh, a tactical or organizational roadmap that people actually follow. So maybe we could walk through a couple steps that whether you're a 10-man business or a 50-man or 500-man business, um, you can take to kind of get clarity around a vision five years, 10 years out. Um, sure. What is it you want from a company? Sure. And it's, it's, it's a great point, Rami. And I, I really appreciate you're doing this because I've been doing several podcasts and mm-hmm. like you and your experience with those, many of them have been crisis and COVID centric. And it's great to talk about this other side of the coin because it does exist and we're still doing that work. Okay. And, you know, f- I'll give you an absolute example. Uh, we have a uh, colleagues in business and they have been in the printing business and doing this, what they call large format. You may not know what that mm-hmm. is, but it doesn't matter. As it turns out, that's that market's really soft right now, but their equipment is such that they can make uh, plexiglass, okay, because they make these big signs. So they can make uh-huh. all of these plexiglass things that you see now at the supermarkets and at the banks, almost anywhere you go, right? You're talking to someone through a plexiglass kind of shield, right? And their business is booming, making those things, right? And their CEO, who just got appointed, it was a it was a succession plan that has been two years in the making. That his mother would exit; she's the CEO, and he would become the CEO on July one of this year. And they went through mm-hmm. with it, okay? And he was on the phone with me saying, you know, what? Okay, so I need a plan for this, and the plan that he needs is the traditional plan. Uh, you know, the, the way that we generally do it. So what does that look like? So we right. begin- and, and, and these companies that have reacted heavily to the COVID crisis, some of them are, like you said, they found an opportunity, they're doing great. But there's a question, is this, you know, uh, a, a similar example to that is uh, we have a, a healthcare provider who does uh, autism, tr- behavioral consulting, that kind of thing. And they used to have sure. everybody come in to the thing. Well, They've actually, their business has way upticked on a work from home basis. Turns Mm -hmm. out they can charge more. They can send people to the home of these autistic children. The children do better there. They're able to make more progress. Their business is up. And now their question is, is our business, has our business changed? I mean, is our five-year no longer to open 10 more sites where children come, Mm -hmm. but instead to be in 500 more homes. They, they don't, they're trying well, to there. That's a great example. And just like the one I was talking about, there's, there's a couple of questions you have to ask up front. Is, is this our new business? And it most likely is not. Or does this sustain us such that we can actually think about what we do with our traditional business when it comes back 
now we'll be better prepared for that business on that when that happens than we were going into this. So we're still looking at that long-term plan. So, so we're going to start with the owners or the business leaders and to ask them, okay, what is it you want out of this business? What, why are you in this business? Why are you doing this? And it gets back to what we talked about before. You have to know personally what those owners want. They get the, they get the first take at where that business should go because they put in the real equity and the sweat equity. They've earned it. So we asked them where they want to take the business. Uh, you know, what, what are they trying to accomplish for themselves? What's their vision for the business and what are they willing to do or not do to get there? In other words, the values, those Mm. things that you're not going to violate to get there. So we start with the owners in terms of their personal desires, their vision for the company, the values that they have for the company. Okay. And, you know, the purpose, what do they want to accomplish? We then uh, say to them, you know, we need to interview some of your employees across the business. I don't care what, how good your culture is, Rami, how open your door is for people Mm -hmm. to come in. People at the top of the house do not know everything. Okay. About what goes on, uh, on in a business. And so we want to talk to people across the business. We're very good at doing that, gaining people's rapport, Uh, being honest brokers, letting them know that they can trust us and whatever they say is not going to go back verbatim, that we're looking for trends and things that we need to know and that need to be uh, baked in to any strategic planning. So what would be some of the questions you would ask an employee like that? What would be some of the things you're trying to glean from the employee? Well, the first thing I ask them is why they work there. What do they like about working there? Um, you know, that kind of thing. Tell me, you know, give me, tell me about the company's strengths. Tell me about the leadership strengths. You know, if you were queen or king for a day, what would you change? What do you think the most glaring things that need to be changed here? Right. Uh, we, we asked them about, you know, the culture, the benefits, uh, the customers, the direction of the company. You know, they, they know they, they have lots of, of information to tell us. Where do you think the company should go? Okay. What, what's the, the biggest thing you could work on to help the company? And people are usually pretty anxious to tell you those things, right? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we're trying to get a feel for, uh, the, the, by talking to them, uh, the culture, the strengths and weaknesses of the company as they see it is, is what we're looking for. We tour facilities. If they have more than one, you can learn a lot by walking through someone's facility and observe the way they operate. Okay, so we're doing all of that. But then, you know, so we're doing all of that. But even before we do that, so that company that's talking to us about doing strategic planning, before we will agree to sign up to work with them, it's a mutual agreement. There's two things that they have to agree to. One is that we're saying to them, you are going to commit to work with us for at least a year. Now, clearly, if we got into it and things didn't go well, we wouldn't force anybody's hand on that. It's never happened, but we wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But it's all about the execution. So, you know, we can help you put together a good business plan. We've got the tools. We've got the processes. We've got the good facilitators. We've got the experience. But at the end of the day, if we put together a business plan that just sits there and there's no change management, there's no accountability section, there's no real execution, intentional execution going on, it's not going to happen. Okay. So, so we are saying that you're going to meet with us at least once a month. We're going to have business reviews. We're going to look at the financials. We're going to look at the business plan, what's working, what's not working. We have a lot of ways to do that. Uh, And we're going to make adjustments. 
because guaranteed that whatever we implement by the end of that year is going to be different than what we put together at the beginning. Maybe not substantially so, but you have to be able to adjust as you go and, and having a plan helps you to do that. The second thing that we say to them before uh, we're willing for all of us to sign on the dotted line to work together is, hey, business leaders, business owners, you have to lead the charge. We are good at what we do. We have good processes. Again, we have all of those things. But the way this really works is if, the, if that you are leading the charge, you are holding people accountable, you are letting people know in the business, this is hard work. We're going to do it. It's part of our jobs. It's not that your real job is over here in your left hand and this strategic business plan thing is over here in the right hand. And so we'll get a little extra time. We'll work on that. That is part of your job. You're being held accountable to. Because that's what really makes it work. If we have lukewarm engagement and leadership, you're going to get lukewarm execution, Rami. So I'm going to draw you back, though, Kathy, because I, 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 when it comes to executing, I'm sure, as you mentioned, you have these steps. You have these commitments the business owners or the leaders need to take. But before they do, you're trying to put together a plan. And again, I'm, I'm drawing you back to these processes. And I know it's a little pushy. But the reason is, is I've got listeners sitting there and they're writing down. They go, all right, step one, we want to determine our personal, uh, why are we in this business? What are we looking for? Step two, a third party, preferably, who knows what's going on, like Kathy's team, interviews employees about company cultures, trends we need to know, things we need to know, compensation, benefits, but also what are their ideas for where the company needs to go? Now we've gotten two broad ideas. Going back to that process, keeping you on track there, what's after that? Now we've got some ideas. What do we do next? Sure. Well, we don't have all the ideas. Uh, then, <laughs> so then what we do is uh, step three is let's determine who's going to be on the strategic planning team. Okay. Needs to be some leaders, and we'd like to have some people across the business who are either uh, thought leaders, okay, change agents in the business. In a, in a wide section, you know, the first year it's a smaller team, can't be huge if you, they haven't gone through this process before, but we still want a good cross section. We put together that strategic planning team, and then what we do is the next step is that we start giving them prep work. In other words, we send out, we have templates to send out to ask about products and services, which ones are most profitable, okay, which ones, what are ones that maybe we should uh, uh, exit. Which one should we, what sort of some new products we should bring online? Uh, all of those kind of things. Same things with, with regard to markets. We do a process, we send them out and decide what are the processes that are key to this business. And that we do with them. So we're looking at internally processes, communication, people, uh, systems, all of those things and asking people to give us assessments of those. We also do a typical SWOT. That is, that's tried and true. We use that. So we're looking at competition. So everybody weighs in on these things. We get the financials from the whoever is, if they have a CFO, a controller, they outsource it, whatever the case may be. But what we're doing is we're using uh, uh, templates to collect data. We take that data and put it into 
uh, a working format so that when we convene that team, so the next thing is we bring them together for two days. And we have then this huge, at the top of the funnel, you talk about ideas we've collected in all of those areas, plus from the interviews, right? Plus from working with the owners. And then we put it into modules and we start working all working through all of those and we whittle down what's the most important thing? What do we need to get done given our five-year strategic objectives over the next year? And we do that over the course of two days. And I can tell you when we start, people are like, there's no way we're going to get there. This is mind blowing. And when we get it to the end of the second day, we've got the seven or eight goals for the next year that the company needs to execute on. So we collect data, we go in and we whittle that down to the goals for the year. And then for the next couple of weeks, the goal owners, we assign owners, this is the next step in the process. The goal owners map out the action plans. In other words, who does what by when over the next year? We've got a year to execute this plan. We come back, we all agree on it. And then the next step is we set these monthly business reviews. We put it into our project management tool. They have a portal and we start managing and executing that plan. Those are the process steps. Nice. Okay, let me recap them then. That's a great, great recap. So project management accountability. All right. So from the beginning, we start with company owner goals, uh, uh, vision, what they're wanting out of the company. Step two, we gather ideas and we interview the employees about company culture, trends, things we need to know, products we should add, what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong. Step three, create a planning team, the group of people in your organization who are going to be part of the strategic growth and management of the company. We're going to then assign to that strategic planning team or others in the company uh, prep work where we're looking for direct responses on products, services, markets, profitability. Do we exit these markets? Do we keep these markets? We're just gathering ideas. Uh, it's almost like a asynchronous brainstorming session, it sounds like, where we're just trying to get uh, feedback on all these different pieces. We do a little uh, internal SWOT analysis where we're looking at what the future holds, our strengths, our weaknesses, our competition, our opportunities, our threats. And then we do a big planning session where we pull all those ideas together and over time select which ones are most uh, likely to succeed, uh, which ones have the greatest impact on the company, break them down, and define the seven or eight goals over the next year. We then assign goal owners who are to create action plans, who does what by when. Those are then taken and put into project management for accountability, where we have check-ins, go over each one of those, make sure that those plans are progressing and adjust them as needed. Does that sound like a comprehensive strategic management uh, people process? It does, and and that's what we do. And there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. One thing I would like of to course. say is, is in the data collection part of that, when we're you know using the templates and collecting that information, we absolutely go to the experts or ask them to do the research, you know, call out information. It's not just, you know, what I think or, you know, uh, always. Mm, good but, point. But, good point. But we're getting, you know, bona fide data where we can, where we have it. Very, very good point. Now, this is a process that, that of course, a, a third-party facilitator like yourself uh, increases the likelihood of this succeeding by a hundredfold. I mean, it's very difficult to think about that happening all internally. But instead of this, if, if we could take our, our hats off for a minute in terms of thinking of this as a, an enterprise, but instead think of the 
the 10 man tire shop or the 20 man nonprofit radio station, these smaller organizations where uh, the likelihood of them, I mean, I, I don't, we'll talk about what your target market is, Kathy, but uh, being able to expend the resources to bring in a third party uh, is probably outside a lot of their budgets. But even so, these steps, uh, some of them are just, uh, are very broad. Like, you know, I, I think some of them could be pared down or maybe they're all necessary. But what are your thoughts if you had a, say, a 10-man shop that they're they're doing fine, their net profit for the year is $70,000 a year. That's what the business owner's taking home. They're just existing and they want to use this to go forward. Uh, what would be some of your recommendations for them that maybe they're not a fit for your company, but maybe they could be that you could give them the advice to get them up to where they would be. Sure. Great question. There's a couple of things. Um, if they couldn't afford an outside resource, there's a couple of things that I would say. There are some free resources around for companies of that size that are very good. There are local small business uh, universities have, you know, small business centers. Uh, there's SCORE. I don't mm. know if people are familiar with them, but yeah. those are retired executives who are out there helping small companies. So those are resources that you can avail yourself to. But secondly, what I would say to them is you don't have to do all of the things I just talked about. As a small company, if you did a SWAT and you did a pretty good SWAT, uh, you would probably surface the biggest things you need to be working on, okay? Because your business is not that complex. It may feel that complex, but it doesn't have, you know, uh, a ton of moving parts. Uh, and so, and it would be pretty easy by doing a, a really good strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats to hone in on a company of that size. What are the two or three things that we need to be uh, laser focused on okay, in the next year? And then the other thing that I would say to them, I don't care how you do it. You don't have to have some fancy smancy uh, project management software like we do and put our clients on. I don't care if you put it on an Excel spreadsheet. You know, but, you know, there's all kinds of things available, but put it into something and at least have a uh, routine meetings with agendas where we are looking at these things and seeing how we're doing. So mm. anybody can it's do execution a lot of times that falls right. down. In those right. So anybody can do that if they will exercise the discipline to do it. So in a small business, then what would be some of the key functions or let's say that they've we've set out a goal. We say five years. This is where we need to be. We've gotten there by looking at our market and our strengths and our weaknesses, and we know kind of where we want to be. Now we're going to make our plan for the next 12 months. We've broken down one-fifth of that goal or whatever to, to move us in that direction. What would be the kind of key things? You mentioned at some point uh, in pulling together those goal owners, what they have to be responsible for. Um, what would you do in a small business to maybe go, all right, look, you've got a plan here. How do you make sure it actually happens? What are some of those accountability steps? Well, I think there's a couple of things in a small business. You know, you probably don't have with the 10, you know, back to your example, the 10 person tire shop. They may not have, again, fancy HR systems and review processes and so forth. But in that case, I really think it comes down to the owners or the leaders of the business reinforcing that with people regularly. Okay, and that they are, you know, asking the people about how these things are going. Do you need any help with this? Give me an update on this. However, that works within their system. But if they're if that leader is constantly saying, okay, 
you know, you've got this crisis today or this crisis tomorrow, you're putting out that fire and you're always letting them put these focus areas that are in their plan on the back burner, then it's not going to happen. So mm -hmm. you've got to be the one helping them, helping them to facilitate how to make that happen. I, I really think it's about leadership, Rami. I know that's maybe seem oversimplified, but in a small business, you know, it, it's what the leader does and expects that happens. I think that's reasonable. Uh, one thing you mentioned is throughout this, you're going to analyze some key KPIs, key performance yes. indexes. You're going to look at some numbers that show us, hey, are we making progress? Are we falling apart? There's entire books written on this, of course, <laughs> but I've always had trouble with this. You know, one of the, uh, when I, I, I was talking to a small business owner recently about, you know, what sort of KPIs are they tracking? And he said, you know, every job I can figure out a KPI for. It makes sense to me that the, the recruiter is, you know, number of people hired and how long they stick around. Okay, so that's a decent one. Or for um, the uh, tech team, it's, you know, number of bugs fixed or squashed and how quickly that happens, turnaround service. It's, you know, first call resolutions. These all make sense. But when it comes to a KPI for the company, I never understand why it's not just how much money I make every month. Like, how do you how do you make a company wide KPI? How do you figure something out that's not uh, revenue or maybe profit as a as a slightly more nuanced version? But is there what would kind of be your thoughts on figuring out what that looks like for different organizations? It's a great question, and let me just say, let me stipulate right here. I'm a former CFO. I do think there's for me. Uh, there's one. It's the bottom line. Okay. <laughs> Profit. Okay. <laughs> it, it's EBITDA, really, if you want to get technical. Yeah, but sure. Net income, but but that's what it is. Everything really rolls back to that if the company's not healthy. But let me tell you why that doesn't work mm -hmm. in most companies. Uh, you've got to come up, or I say you have to. Nobody has to do anything. But I, it's been my experience, and in work, doing this kind of work that. We need to come up with a set, a very small set of company-wide uh, KPIs that everyone can relate to. Everyone cannot make the connection to if, if EBITDA or net income is our one overarching, you know, big BHAG, you know, a big, hairy, audacious goal that, right. that you know, they can't relate to that. So you have, if you can break it down into a, key, a few key areas, Okay, that everyone can relate to. So, so those could all be subsets of that big net income uh, KPI. But again, it's 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 not a long list. It's three or four or five at most, but that everyone can relate to. Okay, mm. so so that that's really the issue is you've got to have KPIs that everyone can point to and say, I understand that and I know what I'm doing to help make that happen. Mm. So the KPIs can be, are, are a, of course, net income is the bottom line, but when we look at, and again, these are company-wide in that everyone in the company has exposure to them, mm -hmm. um, but some people move the needle more than others on specific KPIs, right? That's so correct. Maybe one of those is a, a net promoter score or something like that. Exactly. Maybe is exactly. more towards your customer service or your implementation team, or there's a, there's a bunch of different people who can touch that uh, very well. Uh, so maybe it's a, a, a portion of it. Well, a huge um, one, a huge one today that mm -hmm. I see a lot is around technology. 
all right, and, mm -hmm. and, and what companies need to do to at least uh, stay on par with regard to technology or to be, you know, a leader with regard to technology in their industry. I mean, I even have some clients that say, in, you know, in five to ten years, we're going to be a technology company that does X. In other words, what business that they're in. In other words, mm -hmm. technology has to lead the way. I mean, they're, they're, that's the way some people are thinking. How do you tie strategic goals to a KPI like that? Like, I think that's a, a great point. Uh, a lot of these goals that we're going to set are going to be more um, opening a new market or changing a business structure. Is there a great example is, you know, we want to be a technological leader in the or in, in the industry. We want our, our technology to be uh, better than everybody else's. What sort of KPIs would be involved in that? Well, it might be, you know, the KPI for that might be uh, how much, you know, how much time time you're spending on whatever operations that you have today. Mm. So that you, whatever business that you're in, if you bring in technology that gets whatever those things are, you're like, like uh, it takes us, you know, now, you know, X amount of time to do this particular function of this particular process, but if I brought in technology, I could get that down to half, right? Ah, so, so, so it, that makes a lot of sense. Put the yeah. KPI as the goal of the technology. Yes, it I could like be. That. Yes. A common one I see on there is something like, um, um, uh, another thing that technology allows people to do is self-serve, right? So mm -hmm. a common piece I see is the, um, uh, number of resolutions or access to help articles or uh, self-paced tutorials as a way of judging whether your uh, self-service is working. There's a lot of different pieces out there. But in general, I think the key there is that you mentioned is set a KPI that should be better as a result of the adoption of technology so as to see if you're actually moving in the right direction. Yeah. One thing that I would say, and again, as a former CFO and a person who has also run operations and done almost everything there is to do in business and HR, I, I mean, I used to have people say to me all the time in corporate America, now some of my clients, well, you know, some things you just can't measure. You just do it. I, that's bunk. Anything that you're going to be oh, doing in a business that's worth doing, you can figure out a way to measure its successfulness, whether it's direct or indirect. All right. But if it's worth doing and I'm going to bring it to my leadership team or, or I as an owner or whoever it is, is going to say, invest we need to invest in this. Yeah. I can measure it. I can find uh, Let me tell you how we measure it. So the, if, when a marketing company is coming to you and saying, we're going to uh, we're going to spend this money and it's going to increase your brand awareness. Uh, it's not a not an ROI play of generating leads. It's increasing the general awareness of your brand. Uh, your response is, I'm interested in that. How do I measure your success? Yeah. Exactly. 100%. I think, I think any, I think that's an excellent point. In fact, that may be the biggest takeaway of this in all strategic decisions. There should be, there must be something you can measure as a result. And yeah. 
part of it's going to flow to net income, but there should be something other than dollars that, yes. that allows you to see this thing coming through. Yes. And the other thing that I would say is you can measure it and you, you, you can measure it, you know, you can quantify it. The other thing that I really counsel people about, I'll tell you where people get hung up with measurements a lot, Rami. Mm -hmm. It's been my experience. Is they try to be too precise. Now, people may be going, what do you mean? You need to be precise. You know, mm -hmm. can't be loosey-goosey on this. But, but here's what I mean by that. And I've counseled people for years in what I call the law of gracious plenty. And where I come from, when somebody says something is a gracious plenty, it means it's more than enough. Okay. That's an old saying. So if, so what I counsel people on is if you're looking at measuring something so that you're going to go to bat and you're going to try to sell this new process, this new system, whatever it is, don't try to be too precise. As a matter of fact, don't try to push the envelope, look at it and say, you know, I believe if we do this based on my experience that we're going to save 10 hours a week. I'm just giving a really hypothetical, <laughs> simple example here, Rami. I believe we're going to save. I think it's, you know, we're, we're going to save 10 hours a week. So if I say we're going to, or we're going to save 10.75 hours a week and I stand <laughs> up in front of people and say that they're going to say 10.75 and, th and that's a debatable item. But if you stand up and say, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly, but isn't it reasonable to say that we're going to save five hours a week on this? Can anybody? And everybody goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. You know, it's probably more than that. We think it's more like that. But for purposes of this, you know, to measure what we're going to save, we're just going to save five hours. And everybody, can everybody just agree it's at least that much? We know we're probably under us. See where I'm going with that? You take the debate out of it. You take them people being able to, to say that your analysis is no good when you use something that is good enough. And let me tell you, if it's a good enough process or a good enough system, the 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 return on investment is going to show up even though you underestimate, even though you use right. the law of gracious plenty. So that's really important for people to understand. I like that. The tie the tie of the law of gracious plenty to something like a a minimum viable goal, right? Yes. If this this thing should at least give us five hours, or at least generate X number of leads, or at least um, lower our error rate by some minimal amount, and that would that that makes it worth it. We expect it to be higher. Here's maybe where our broad projections are, but here's where we know it's going to go, and this is why we think we should do it. Yes. Much easier to get by in that way, and. Again, it kind of goes back to defining these goals. Uh, you're you're making a change. You need a measurement for it. Uh, do a little analysis on you know what's it gonna is it worth pursuing this goal? That's part of that two day part. Is this worth getting you know executing on this thing? What's it, what's the minimum amount of revenue this new product needs to generate at a bare minimum uh, to make it worthwhile? Hopefully, we do much better than that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Okay. Um, well, Kathy, we've covered a ton of, of interesting stuff on the strategic management side of things. When people come to you, let me, let me talk a little bit about just, again, we have a bunch of different listeners from 10 man tire shops to 600 man healthcare organizations. And a lot of times when we have experts like you on, we do get feedback. We want to talk to this person more. We want to go in there, but a lot of the 10 man shops say, I don't think they're a fit for me. I don't know what I would, you know, they're probably way more than I make in a year <laughs> to hire them. So what is at your organization, at Latitude Group, who is it you're trying to attract? Who is a, a good client for you specifically? 
It's a great question. We, we actually um, have pretty clearly defined our ideal client profile. And we have a couple of them, actually, Rami. On the strategy side and the strategic planning work, uh, we're looking for uh, the you know, 25 to 200, $250 million company that's privately held, uh, that's a healthy company, uh, and that you know the owners have a purpose, and you know that they're looking to for a reason to progress their company. That, that's what we're looking for on the strategy side. The reason for that is we can make a real difference in those businesses quickly. There's not a lot of red tape. You can develop really, we can develop really strong relationships. And that's what really, where we really make a difference with these companies is we get to know these people and we develop relationships with them. On average, our clients stay with us four and a half, four to four and a half years. That's a really good track record for a consulting mm -hmm. business. Absolutely. And, and, and on the people development side, uh, a lot of them are our strategy clients to be sure, but we do executive coaching. That's the one area where we, we also target uh, larger corporations, okay, because we have that expertise because of our background being corporate folks. So, so we do target uh, some of the larger corporations on that side. So those are, those are really our targets. Awesome. Now, uh, you mentioned on your website at go.latitudegroup.com, uh, there was a uh, free download on there. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why people would want to go check it out? Sure. Um, I think that a lot of business owners of different sizes, and even those small ones, this can help them, although uh, there's a lot there. But that guide is about questions that business owners need to be asking themselves, okay, um, in terms of right now to, to prepare for the future, and to solidify things. It's it's pretty big. It's about six, seven pages long. About five of it are, is, uh, are those kind of questions. So it might seem overwhelming, but that's where they can schedule a consultation with us. And that really means a business of any size. We'll give them a, a free one hour consultation. It's pretty easy in an hour, just like here we've covered a lot, to really break it down to what are their most important things they need to be concentrating on out of that long list. Uh, or, you know, someone may call in and say, yeah, we're a bigger, you know, we, we fit your ideal client profile. We're ready to do strategic planning and we'd love to do that with them. Uh, sure. but, but either way, we, we would be there to talk to people to help them through it. But, but a lot of great questions and things that business owners need to be considering. That's what it's all about. Excellent. Link in the description down below, guys, at peopleprocesses.com for that. Uh, now, Kathy, I want to wrap up with one more question. So you have been in business on your own for 18 years, a corporate career before that. And a lot of our listeners uh, who are of the smaller variety are looking at an organization like yours and saying, um, I'm never going to be, or I, I just can't imagine being in a position to work with 50 million and $200 million companies and provide uh, services to them. They must have such high standards. I don't know that I could ever get there. Um, I still have trouble getting my basic company just running. I want you to take us back to some time in the last 18 years that you've been in business. And this is a, I get a lot of feedback. that This is everybody's favorite question. I want you to tell us about the worst or one of the absolute worst entrepreneurial moments you've had. Tell us the story of it, how it came about, uh, what, what the result was. And the purpose of this is, of course, we'd rather learn from your mistakes than our own. But even more than focusing on the, the, the lesson learned from it, I want you to talk 
as, as truthfully as you can about uh, how it affected you and what happened, because a lot of people listening may not be in a great situation right now. And they, it's very inspiring for them to hear about, hear from someone like you that they've, that you've been in a bad space too. Well, I would dare say, Rami, that anyone who's been in business for eight <laughs> years has had a bad bad patch. It's like I take that from a, a movie. Uh, it's hard to pick one. <laughs> yeah, it, it is hard to, to pick one. I mean, I, I think a couple of things. Uh, when the Great Recession hit in 2008, um, we were impacted by that. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people obviously don't see this as essential money and when they have to start making cuts – what happened with us there is yes we didn't lose clients which i'm very which was very great we had good relationships but they certainly contracted and so you know the the volume of the business was reduced significantly so we did what a lot of businesses do we looked at you know where where can we you know how long is this going to go and and what where do we need to be as in terms of a run rate and able to, to do that. And we were able to do that. We did not lay any people off, but we certainly made some changes. And the other thing is that we actually sat down with our clients and said, you know what, you know, we are your business coaches. And if we were you, we'd cut our, us about 50%. I might cut you all the way right now. And, and because of those kind of dialogues, they committed to stay with us on some level. Uh, because we were honest brokers. So I think having discussions with your clientele, your customers that show that you have their best interest at heart. I mean, it's just like now. There there are people that we have contracts with that can't pay. I you know, I have people say, well, you should go after them. Why, why, would, I, why would I go after them? I'm trying to help them. We're trying to understand and help them through. See, I think that's what you do. And then you're able to sustain and then to reemerge even stronger and have stronger relationships. So in both of these cases, that's what we've done. And and even this time, I know we we said we're not going to talk about COVID too much. There aren't many companies. I've spent a lot of time sitting, as I said, in conference rooms and on, uh, you know, Teams meetings, Zoom meetings, whatever you want to call them, with my clients, cutting expenses and cutting people. And at the Latitude Group, at least so far, we haven't cut any people. I'm not telling you we haven't cut some expenses, but we have (laughs) not cut any people. Well, I think uh, I think that is a is a great example that you know history. What is it? History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Something like that. Yes. there's always going to be crises, whether they're of our own making or the market reaction that we weren't quite ready for. Um, and I, I think the, the piece of advice you gave that uh, being an honest broker and looking at your clients as a long-term asset, it would be the, the Machiavellian way to look at it, which is if you can help them get through it now, Take the pain yourself as much as you possibly can. Um, they'll be there when the when the crisis is over. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I, I think that you know I think a lot of business owners have uh, have chosen that route. Uh, I think you know anyone who says you know business is all you know dollars and cents and it doesn't uh, you know no one has any mercy or any of that. It, they're 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 not looking at what's going on right now. Every one of my clients. Uh, has made a 
sacrifice on behalf of their employees or and on behalf of their clients, uh, trying to make sure that everybody gets through this so that we can all grow together after. So I think that's excellent. Now, I'm going to push you a little bit, Kathy, in that that story you told, I know it was tough on the business and you guys had to react. But what about you personally as the business owner? In 2008 was 12 years ago. You'd been in business six years. Did that crisis have any effect on you? Did it, did it, uh, you know, I've had many business owners say it actually wasn't so much about COVID, but I've had people with uh, now the kind of racial strife that hit pretty hard uh, under the Black Lives Matter and uh, George Floyd. They, it, it just exhausted them to the point of, I don't know that I can take another hit this year. I don't know that I'm in the right place. I don't know that I should keep doing this. Maybe I should make it through this and sell because I'm learning this isn't for me. Uh, did you have any personal experiences from that that you'd be willing to share? Sure. I mean, a couple of things. Uh, <clears throat> one is um, I, I, for myself and then with my clients, but uh, to prepare yourself that, you know, the companies that came through the Great Recession well uh, were not highly leveraged. In other words, they had prepared, they had some reserves uh, in their bank account, in their pockets. And I clearly learned that because I'd love to to take risk. I'm the big thinker and you know, the visionary and all of that. Oh, we're going to make the money down the road, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, kind of thing. And luckily I had a business partner at the time who was uh, the opposite. So we, we were a good team. But but it certainly changed my thinking about that. Not that I won't take a risk now and, and you know, and, and, and try new things. But, but I do that with some reserves behind me. And that certainly changed it. The other thing that's changed for me is I've always been the person that I come from that generation and a background is, you know, I'm the hardest working person in the room. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way because it's not always good, you know, because I will work and subordinate myself. And I've done that a lot. And, you know, with with the latest crisis, I'm looking at that and saying, you know what? That's not such a good idea. That's not a good idea for me. And it's not a good idea for my company when I'm the person that's got the 18 years of knowledge and tribal knowledge. My business partner that started the business with me retired a couple of years ago. He's much older than I am, by the way. And um, but but at any rate, you know, I'd let a lot of people down if I wasn't around and healthy. So that that really has been something that I've really taken note of and, and gotten serious about. Uh, of late and trying to make changes on. Well, Kathy, thank you for sharing your processes and your wisdom uh, with our listeners today. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, you can go to peopleprocesses.com, check out the show notes, uh, check out the link at go.latitudegroup.com to grab your free copy uh, along with contact them if you're in their target market and you think that you'd be willing to enter a try an hour long consultation for free, get to know Kathy's team better. Uh, see if it's somewhere you can explore. If you have any questions for us, you can, of course, email at latitudegroup.com, uh, or, but you can always reach out to us on our social media pages at People Processes on Twitter and Facebook, uh, or on peopleprocesses.com. There's a live chat and uh, email information on there. Any follow-up questions you have for us, if you'd like us to forward on to Kathy, we'd love to hear. But Kathy, if they wanted to reach out to you directly or your organization, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, absolutely go to our website at www.latitudegroup.com. It has uh, you know, a way to schedule a consultation. I think it has our emails on there. 
telephone numbers, any way, any anything that people need to get in touch with us is right there. Awesome. Kathy, thank you again. Have a lovely day. Thank you so much, Rami. Appreciate it. Same to you.